fellow fiends. Welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore. Your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, it's Nightmare on Fan Week. These movies were picked by you in a long laundry list of possible episodes. Uh, and I'm I, I'm not saying that you guys missed some gems, <laughs> but you definitely landed on two movies you wanted to hear. Yes, so this week we are going to talk about Zombieland and Shaun of the Dead. One of the first episodes in a long time where we've actually talked about zombies. Yeah, we generally avoid zombies. Honestly, I think that's a general rule. I think you should avoid zombies. <laughs> One should avoid zombies. Yeah, if, if you're living your life... Uh, on a zombie survival guide. I mean, so far, we've all successfully avoided zombies. In our Every lives. single one of us. Everybody, pat yourselves on the back. It's another successful week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we fucking made it. But this week, we wanted to celebrate you guys for all of the awesome stuff you do, in addition to listening to our podcast, promoting the show on social media, and reviewing the show, and all that stuff. So uh, we wanted to do a fan-curated episode. We just finished up a huge giveaway, and we're sending out those prize packs. <laughs> it was the Wake of the Dead giveaway in partnership with our sponsor, Deadly Grounds. We were giving away the hilarious House of Frightenstein creme brulee blend bag of coffee that's also coming with a sweet ass terror tea a nightmare on film shirt some dvds some stickers just a huge ass prize pack yeah so we're sending those out we're gonna put the names in posts because we don't have them yet so. and the winners are <laughs> so congratulations to caitlin kathy and ashley your prizes are on the way Woo! Congratulations! Congrats. Um, <laughs> also, we wanted to announce a pretty cool thing for Patreon because we wanted to thank our patrons and our Patreon supporters for helping fund the show and the website. Yeah, we've we've said it a thousand times. I joke about it a lot. Uh, the show would be a nightmare without your support. Every dollar that's donated that we receive gets put back into the show to make better content. So, starting from this episode, we have a cool new Patreon promo. Every new patron that we get throughout the summer, going until September, we'll figure yeah, out. Absolutely, we'll figure Labor out a time. Day. Until Labor Day. Well, depending on our pin stock. Oh, I guess that's true. So, with limited quantities, every new patron we get is going to get a Cinema Cemetery enamel pin, one of the Nightmare on Film Street pins. We're going to send that to you, no matter what your donation. Absolutely, yeah. If you you are a five dollar donor, if you are a ten dollar donor, on 
top of the the swag packs that you're going to get for signing up, we will send you a pin. It's a nice little bonus extra. And to also thank our current patrons, any of you that up your pledge over the next couple months through the summer, if any of you were hoping for a t-shirt and were thinking about maybe upping your pledge, if you do that in the next couple months, if you do it today, if you do it tomorrow, if you do it next week, you're also going to get a pin. So any existing patrons who up their pledge and any new patrons are going to get an enamel pin courtesy of John and I. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll throw some stickers in there. Maybe we maybe might. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's just a small thank you from us for helping make this show what it is and to to extend our fan appreciation out past just this little episode and a giveaway. We want to have it running all summer. Summer is the time of slashers. It's the time of summer camps. It's the time of masks and machetes and super sweet ass enamel pins from your favorite horror podcast, maybe. And shark movies at the drive-in. Okay, I forgot about shark movies. Of course. They're coming. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for supporting Nightmare on Film Street, for tuning in every other week. Uh, We are also online, so if you haven't checked out the website portion, we also have a huge website, nofspodcast.com, where we put out articles daily, editorials, news. We got tons of stuff there from a whole host of amazing contributors. Yeah, so much of our time and our effort gets put into that website, and it is all thanks to to an incredible group of writers that we have that donate their time and their effort to to give you really cool editorials and daily news updates, so that way Nightmare on Film Street is your one-stop shop. It's where you can get absolutely everything. But yeah, if you are ever hungering for more Nightmare on Film Street content, if you caught up on all the episodes and you're waiting for a new one to drop, just hit up the website and check out the recommendations or the review tab. There are so many great voices and articles in there. You will not be starved. You ready to talk about some zombies? I believe I am. I am maybe ready to talk zombies. I just want to put this reminder out there before we get into it that you guys totally voted for this episode. (laughs) And we did not choose... So it's all your fault. To talk about these zombie comedies. I appreciated watching them. They were both movies I wanted to revisit. Oh, yeah. But not verbally. (laughs) Not verbally, yeah. I I have sat in the shadows for a very long time on my feelings about zombie life. Me too! And now we're just out in the fucking open! (laughs) I was hoping I would never have to say! No, and and the problem with, with reviewing a movie like Shaun of the Dead is that it's so goddamn funny... That all you want to do is just throw a ton of clips on. And, you know, unfortunately, it's illegal to put all of the audio of that movie in lieu of what we were saying. Especially if you're just putting the Queen song. (laughs) Fun fact. I will say this now because uh, I read it after we recorded this next little bit. That Queen song, Don't Stop Me Now, that is synced up to the zombie fight in the Winchester pub was the A-pick. It's what they always wanted. But when they went in to go film, they hadn't secured the rights for it yet. And would you happen to know... uh, You want to take a wild guess what the B-pick was? You already told me. Okay, well, play along! (laughs) We listened to it in the car. (laughs) Pretend like you You at home, take a wild guess. Oh my god, was it Rasputin? (laughs) (laughs) It was Bonnie M's Rasputin. (laughs) Can you imagine that scene with Ross Butin? That'd be so yeah, weird. Yeah, that's a groovy song. I I love Don't Stop Me Now, but mm-hmm. I, you know, when we did this in the car for the first time organically, yeah. I said ABBA, and you were like, hmm, and that, that was also like, That would have been pretty fucking cool. <laughs> what song would you have chosen from ABBA? Man After Midnight. That's not so bad. Yeah. Zombies are all men It's Mamma Mia. That's the one you'd choose. Here we go again. Yeah, but you got the gimme, gimme, gimme. You could smack on a I guess gimme. You, I guess you just you just need like a hard driving beat. SOS, right? That could be a somber zombie fight. 
Because if you hear me, Colin, I'm sending out an SOS. You oh, understand. The military's yeah, coming. Also, so the relationship's dying, which is exactly what that song's about. Oh, because his mom dies in that scene. Yeah, they just gotta stick together, guys. <gasps> oh. All right, guys, let's talk about Zombieland now. <laughs> I think we start with Shaun of the Dead. Do we? Yeah. Oh. Do you ever think that modern life is not for you? Do you do the same dead-end job every day? Is your love life dying on its feet? To a wonderful mom. <laughs> oh. Have you ever felt that you're turning into... Something in the world. A zombie. Maybe you're not alone. Although no one official is prepared to comment, religious groups are calling it Judgment Day. It is vital that you stay in your homes. Avoid all physical contact with the assailants. Shaun of the Dead from 2004. Currently sitting at an 8 out of 10 on IMDb, a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 76% Metacritic rating, and 4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Just want to put this out there before, like, we get into the... Like, you guys did this. <laughs> it's so hard to talk about comedies, because you're like, funny. This was also funny. Yeah. But also, Shaun of the Dead, we have, like, burned to the ground with viewing. We have seen it so many times that all of the, like, wonderful and amazing cues and edits and sound cuts, I don't even see them anymore, because I've seen this movie so many times. There's yeah. nothing... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> There's nothing revolutionary about this movie, even though it is a completely revolutionary movie, just because I've seen it so many times. Nothing revolutionary about it to you. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If this were a VHS tape, we would have worn the copy out. Yeah, definitely. Did you ever do that as a kid, by the way? No. You never wore a tape out? I think I've broken a couple tapes, but I think it's because I used to like be one of those stupid, like, I'm going to wind it myself, kids. The whole thing? No. With two spoons? You're uh, just, like, rotating No, just, like, my fingers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I had a movie, I had a few movies as a kid that were, for whatever reason, Was shoot it Escape up. to Witch Mountain? <laughs> now that you mention it, no. I only ever watched that movie on TV, back when Disney used to have those Sunday nights where, like, we're going to show you the first half of a movie. You know what I used to love? Next week. When they did skating things. And they oh. would like, they were like, we're going to watch Snow White tonight, but in 26 parts, because we're also skating to Snow White tonight, in between the commercials. It's like dinner and a movie, but with skating. It was like, we're going to skate for five minutes with Donald and Daisy Duck, and then you're going to watch some fucking Snow White. And fuck you, you little children, sit down and watch this. It's and I was like, that hell yeah. Occasionally, Sunday night, I would be like, yo, fucking brave little toaster, going to be so great. It was a it was a grab bag. You didn't know it was playing. Um, you probably could have if you looked at the TV guide, but I was not that kind of kid. I sat down, so amped. You're already thinking, like, toaster, toaster strudel toasted, and you're, like, <laughs> ready to go. And then fucking, yeah, Snow White on Ice, and you're I like, just oh, flipped the TV. Like, it's girl night. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, that's how I went down in my house. Uh, not a big fan of the skating. I think, fucking loved skating. I think that's when I started smoking. <laughs> <laughs> because of Disney on ice. Like, oh, I got nothing else to do. Might as well take up this bad Your habit. Your mom re realizes, because like two weeks later, she's like, oh, the toaster strudels are still in the freezer. He's smoking. <laughs> <laughs> but I had plenty of tapes that were chewed up that I would have to, I knew where they went bad. And as soon as it started to fuzz, I'd stop it. And then I'd rotate it forward. Uh, like, I, I would be fast forwarding myself because the, the VA... The VCR would completely what ruin them. What were you them. trying to say there? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd rotate them myself, I would fast forward, and then pop them back in. 
Okay, so let's talk about Strong of the Dead because it's an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an amazing movie. Yeah. Moving on. Zombieland. <laughs> you know, Shaun of the Dead is is absolutely genius. And it's funny that a comedy can remind you how great zombie movies are. Because I gotta say, guys, I know this is a zombie-themed episode. I've kind of left them behind. Yeah, I think we've said this before on the podcast that you and I are not huge zombie fans. But then we talk about films like 28 Days Later and we're like, this movie's so fucking amazing. So... I think it just depends on the film. Shaun of the Dead is an amazing movie, regardless of, like, it just, it spans across genres. Like, yes, it's a zombie movie. Yes, it's kind of a horror movie. But, oh, God, is it a funny comedy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's been adopted so well, because it was so, like, it, it was so watchable by so many different people. Yeah, the movie's got, like, no lull. There's no part in the movie where you get a little bored and, oh, yeah, so they're stuck in the house and now they're going to turn on each other. It it plays up on all of those tropes without making too much fun of them and still playing within that that zombie template. Mm -hmm. It's not like you can't predict all the beats in this movie, but they do it in a surprising way. And they do it in in a tongue-in-cheek manner that comes from, like, an absolute love of that subgenre. Well, and also, too, like, you're following these characters characters that are quarter-life crisising. They are themselves predictable, so they're living out their same universe, even in something as insane as a... Uh, and a zombie apocalypse. And that's what's so funny about it is that, like, these people are so stuck in who that they, who they are that the first day that we saw where everything was like, oh, every day is exactly the same, is the same as the end of the movie, but there's zombies now. Yeah. It's so wonderful how this movie repeats itself and calls back to itself and falls back on, like, patterns and even quotes and stuff. Like, everything is repeated in this movie, and it's amazing. Yeah, there's nothing There's nothing in Shaun of the Dead that isn't used as a callback. Yeah, the, every the mo- moment, yeah. every quote. Like, even in the beginning when the third roommate is hassling Shaun because the, the best friend is kind of a loafer, Shaun's going to try to tell him to confront him that he needs to clean up and start paying rent kind of thing. And he's calling out shots on the video game. And that comes into play later at the end of the movie when they're trying to shoot zombies. Like, they literally say the exact same call-outs for shooting them in the video game versus shooting the zombies. And you're like, fucking Edgar Wright with your attention to detail. Yeah. It, it opens on saying we spend too much time at this pub. And, you know, <laughs> and, you know to try and shake things up, we're going to go to a restaurant. We're going to have a nice night out. That falls through, let's go to the pub. Oh, she broke up with me. Better <laughs> comfort myself at the pub. Zombie apocalypse? Let's hole up at the pub. By the way, did you know that that pub was a three-story Victorian pub? Cool. And it's now been turned into lofts. Oh. So you can't go. <laughs> That's so sad. In 2008. Oh. So only a few years after they filmed the movie. That's dumb. They could have made a bunch of tourist money. They probably did for a little while. This was Edgar Wright's first big movie, right? Yeah, I think before this he did a movie called A Fistful of Fingers. That's a great title. It's a Western. But I have no idea. Okay, I was like, yeah. I have no idea what that is. The Fistful of Dollars. Anyway, let's move. we'll, we'll get what? back to that later. <laughs> Actually, funny anecdote that I heard on the TIFF podcast, his movie, he was contractually obligated or something to make it at least 90 minutes. And it came in at 82 or 85. Mm-hmm. But there was a scene where the two characters are talking over a fire. They blow the fire out. It fades to black. They transition to the next scene. And what he did was he just recorded a scene 
in the dark. So the two guys, after they blow that fire out, just have a conversation in the dark for a few minutes. And then we transition to another scene. Just to fill the space. Just to fill the space. Apparently they always say that, like, as a director, like, if you're a, a young director or new director, to always have a few extra shots where you're filming your actors and their mouths can't be seen. Because it's really easy. No, like, if you're going to change the tone of the film or you need to add an extra sentence of exposition or yeah. something later on, you don't have to go back and do reshoots. Yeah. Yeah, which can be Francis a huge Ford headache just to get one person to say an extra sentence or something. <laughs> but Francis Ford Coppola was saying that while filming like The Godmother Part Two. Yeah, like, but you haven't figured this shit out by now. <laughs> like, I mean, you did have two part Marlon Brando to deal with, so like oh. having a couple extra shots of just the side of his face. Like, I'm never gonna help. Oh, I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna be able to watch the movie the same again. I love watching it now, though. When you're like, they were hanging the cue cards in the tree for the scene. I'm like, oh, yeah. And, like he's not looking up at the. <laughs> Sky just remembering his past. Being prophetic, he's no. just like, those are not big enough for me to read. Yeah, that's why he's squinting. <laughs> there is a fucking scene at the beginning of that movie, you know, like, you've, you've come to me at the day of my daughter's wedding. There's a scene where his arm is just out of frame for no reason. Because he has a sandwich He's holding a sandwich that he refused <laughs> to put down. Oh my god. Fucking Marlon Brando. Oh, that's the best. It only got worse from there. Like, he became a monster from <laughs> no, what I, I understand. It. It's so good. Is this... It's hard to talk about this movie, so we're just gonna, like... We're gonna dance around it. Oh, yeah. Um, is this your favorite Edgar Wright film? Oh. The only one I can think that comes close, if maybe beats, is Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. But I don't know. Scott Pilgrim checks a lot of boxes for me. Mm-hmm. It's set in Toronto, which is kind of cool, but uh, whatever. It can be set anywhere. It's just a hell of a lot of fun, and the music's great. But Shot of the Dead... No matter how jaded I get about zombie movies, and no matter how, and no matter how much I am sick of watching them, I will always sit down and watch Shaun of the Dead. So I will, I will say that Edgar, uh, that Shaun of the Dead is my favorite Edgar Wright movie. Yeah, because Shaun of the Dead, I think, is the only, apart from Scott Pilgrim, I guess, the only Edgar Wright movie that I've liked on first viewing. Everything, Not even Hot Fuzz, eh? Everything, no, see, because I think I had my expectations too high with Shaun of the Dead, because okay. I saw it, and I was like, yeah, this like, is amazing. same cast, this yeah. is going to be awesome. Oh my god, it's the, they're reunited, it's going to be great. And then I was like, meh. Yeah. But now when I rewatch any of his films, I like them, I enjoy them, they're great. They're not Shaun of the Dead. But once you get past that, they're enjoyable movies. They're very competent. They retain Edgar Wright's style. Oh, yeah. They have his, like, fast-paced editing and stuff. Like, they're really tight in that sense. I just, yeah, even Scott Pilgrim, I don't think I loved it on first viewing. Baby Driver, I didn't love on first viewing, and I thought I was going to love it. Now, looking back at it, I haven't revisited it yet. We haven't rewatched it yet. It's probably his best movie. Maybe. I'm saying best, not favorite. Yeah, okay. Uh, It's it's fucking tight, though. Like, even leaving the drive-in, I wanted to say theater, we saw it at the drive-in. Even leaving that, I was like, I don't know if I liked it, but it was good yeah like he did a really good job with the sound editing (laughs) (laughs) well i think a lot of what that is is he works in genres we've got fistful of fingers it's a western and then he does a horror then he does a what the genius thing about hot fuzz is that it's it's a cop cop procedural action comedy whose villain is handled like a slasher uh and then then, yeah you move on to like your indie rom-com which is your scott pilgrim a sci-fi a 70s alien sci-fi and then a sort of exploitation driver movie it's 
the coolest fucking career ever. It's like he's just like, oh, I'm never going to make the same type of movie. I want to make this movie and that movie and this movie. And he's fucking doing it. Yeah, it's like his movies are just a different movie poster. Every movie is a different poster. Mm-hmm. Enough dancing around it, though. Uh, Shaun of the Dead follows Shaun. He uh, has recently broken up with his girlfriend. He's got a deadbeat friend who he absolutely loves and refuses to let go. And he hasn't seen his mom in a little while. He's got a bad relationship with his stepfather. And oh, yeah, the world is full of zombies now. Of course, that's not going to stop him from completing his tasks. He's got to he's gotta get Liz back. He's got to go around mums, and he's got to get his life together. <laughs> what better time to start than now? And that leads to one of the greatest long cuts in the movie. Uh, I know you're going to say. We show Sean in his morning routine where he gets up. He kind of groggily walks to the local convenience store just around the corner. He picks up like a soda pop and an ice cream bar for his roommate. Yeah, the uh, Cornetto. <laughs> the second time that he does it, this is after the zombie invasion, but the night before, Liz, his girlfriend, had broken up with him, so him and his roommate got smashed and were up all night drinking. So he is, like, hungover, he is not aware of his surroundings, and he is walking through in this long, continuous cut of the exact same scene that we had seen the day before. Trips on the same curb. <laughs> but instead of, like, his neighbors just going about their daily lives, they're all fucking zombies or dead. Yeah, there's a the one person running by trying to get out of the neighborhood, but the guy asking for money, the kid who's playing football, they're all dead. They're all dead. And they're all basically in the exact same spots they were beforehand. And, like, the car that he passes, the guy was washing, the windshield is, is destroyed. There's, like, shit knocked over everywhere. He walks into the convenience store. He slips on a pool of blood. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't even notice. Know. Too busy looking at the calorie information <laughs> in that Diet Coke. Because here's the thing. He's got to get his life back together. No more drinking full sugar Cokes. He is a Diet Coke man beginning today. Yeah, really. But... It isn't until a seemingly drunk woman appears in their front garden that they realize that hmm, maybe something's not okay. They go outside and she tries to attack them. No, no, no Kim. She tries to kiss Sean. Oh, yes. And we got to yeah. get the camera. <laughs> <laughs> She's so drunk. How do they learn? So she impales herself on, like, rebar in the backyard. Because she keeps coming to Sean. He shoves her. And she falls down on just a pipe that... Said, hanging out of the ground. I don't know what for. And then they realize that, like, something's really not right. But because they're really slow-moving zombies, they go and get Sean's record collection, and they just start <laughs> hurling, like, <laughs> shitty records at her. And then another, um, like, huge scary zombie comes, and they're just throwing records at both of them. Yeah, um, they're just trying to destroy the brain. And that proves pretty fruitless, so they just, like, hide inside until the zombies break down the window, and they're like, okay, we need to think of a plan. Yeah, gonna get the cricket bat and the shovels. Oh, yeah, and they beat the shit out of them. Yep, that's what you gotta do. You either gotta cut off their head or destroy the brain. <laughs> it's a great clip. That is, when they cycle through the television shows. Yeah. I love at the end of the movie, though, they're interviewing that news anchor. He's like, yes, no, of course, the cut off the head or destroy the brain. It's a fantastic line. Like, he's talking about how, how pivotal of a moment that was. <laughs> For in, his career? In, yeah, in, like, news history. It's like, he's the new Walter Cronkite reporting on the JFK assassination. <laughs> Have you read Simon Pegg's essay on why zombies should not run? I read it when it when it came out. And I was it's like, like 2005 or something. Yeah. yeah. So like I don't really remember much about it. What's your opinion? I don't agree. You don't care if they if they run or not. I don't think we should have rules for fictional characters at all. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, you don't think we should have rules in the horror genre? 
for fictional characters. Oh. When people are like, oh, vampires can't do this, and, like, werewolves can't do this, it's like, well, in this story they can. Yeah, because they're not real. Because this is the story, and, like, yeah. If you want to argue about actual people... There are only so many varieties of undead you can have. Like, (laughs) let them have their running zombie. You can argue about Abraham Lincoln actually slaying vampires, but who cares whether or not those vampires can actually walk during the day? Yeah, that's why we have, like, 36,000 iterations of Dracula. Like, it just happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't care. I do, I do like the argument, though, that zombies rec- represent death, and how death is always two steps behind No, I love that us. idea. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's genius. And I think that is the Romero version of zombie. But yeah, you're right. Like, well, the, that's kind of romantic in a terrible way. Yeah. Uh, it's got that, like, macabre, Edgar Allan Poe-type metaphor to the entire situation, yeah. which I love. Yeah. Uh, but that's not to say that modern zombies don't address bigger picture. Like, there's... There's infection, and there's technology, and there's all kinds of different elements being infused into that zombie metaphor today that wasn't before. Yeah, what about energy drinks, guys? So when are we finally going to talk about the evils of like energy Like a Four Loco zombie movie? Yeah, well, That'd I mean, every cool. running zombie movie now is an energy drink zombie movie, I is guess. what I'm saying. But I was just like, if Four Loco turned people into zombies. That would be had, the like, greatest really marketing good B12, campaign So they went really fast. <laughs> <laughs> We can call it Z12. <laughs> the uh, first. Early on in our expedition, we gotta go collect mum and dad. We start out mum and dad. Mum and... Philip. Philip. Yes. <laughs> and we we gotta collect Liz and the shitty roommates. What do you think of Philip? I love Philip. And why is it that you love Philip, Kim? I just really like Bill Nye. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> he's a wonderful actor. And he's amazing in this. He plays such an asshole stepdad. Uh, he's been bitten by a zombie. But... <laughs> Run it under a cold tap. <laughs> But uh, Sean can't bring himself to kill Philip, so he climbs in the car, and, like, all of them are in the car, and Philip is slowly, like, turning, and... It is such a good scene. It get Honestly, it gets me every time. You got so mad at me because I was distracted for that scene, and you were like, we had to rewind it, he's having his big sad monologue, and you're like, I don't really want to watch a big sad monologue in this comedy film. Every zombie movie needs a big sad monologue. It is really sad. You need a character who's about to die, who's coming to terms with it, and just reveals something that completely changes everything you thought about them. And for Sean, it, it upends his entire adult life, really. You know what's really great, though? After he turns into a zombie and they end up locking him in the car. <laughs> There's nothing of the man that you love back in that monster over there. And then he turns off the loud rock music and he's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Like he's relieved. Like there's clearly a part of that man still left in oh, there. Oh, so good. Which is genius because the zombies in these movies, like probably the zombies in your favorite zombie movies, have memories. They go round the pub. <laughs> Yeah, I guess they do. I don't think that's why they mill about the pub. Uh, one thing I noticed this go around that I'm ashamed to admit that I did don't think I noticed before mm-hmm. is that in the opening scene where everybody's living their like boring, mundane lives, those are all the people that play the zombies later on. Oh, literally, like the cashier is a zombie. Yeah, that that's crazy the old woman who notices them when they're trying to fake zombie walk to the pub is there. Yeah, that kid that. With the crazy-ass zombie eyes. Oh my eyes. god, that kid's terrifying. He's the one who notices them while they're trying to pretend to be zombies. I, apparently there are a lot of cameos in this movie. Really? 
And it might just be that... It might be their British cameo. I was going to say, it might just be that <laughs> we we're might not, not British. Get those. <laughs> a lot of comedians are in this movie, apparently. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I'm wondering if that kid and that cashier are some of them. Mm. Apparently, uh, this, is a, this is a good little thing that I read on uh, in my history class on Wikipedia. Um, George A. Romero was so impressed with this movie that he invited Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg to have cameo roles in The Land of the Dead. But they insisted on being zombies instead of whatever character. Like, they literally wrote characters for them, human oh. people, and they're like, no, 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 we should be zombies. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. So Sean is taking a whole horde of zombies down the road. He's going to give them the slip. He comes back to the Winchester, and they're just going to they're just gonna wait it out. Yeah, because it's a great plan. It is a great plan. Well, okay. I it's mean, not a great plan. Sure. Plus, I- the bar is all windows. <laughs> Why? Honestly, everything would have been fine if if Idiot McGee didn't smash a window to get them in. Yeah. I can't remember his name. I like I like both the um the friends though. The failed actress and the like account manager guy. Yeah, they're great. They're they're cool side characters. They are your arc like he at least he is definitely an archetype douchebag. <laughs> He's not wrong, though. Like, and there's this big, uh, tense scene where we realize that on their way to getting to the Winchester, that mum has been bitten yeah. and she's about to turn into a zombie as well. Uh, she dies and Sean is beside himself and the, um, Liz's friend, the guy, pulls a gun on her and he's going to shoot her because she's going to come back. And there's this really tense scene because Sean doesn't want him to shoot his mom and he thinks that's preposterous but like if you're thinking about it you're like yeah she is gonna turn into a zombie so like you're being a really shitty leader here i guess that's true doesn't he pull the gun on her before she dies though no it's like right as she dies but like that's the best time to shoot somebody who's about to turn into a zombie is before they turn into a fucking zombie but human nature says you gotta wait until they turn into a zombie because otherwise they're just a dead human so i guess i'm the villain (laughs) (laughs) In this scenario, yes. You'd be like, Kim, she's still breathing. I pop, pop. <laughs> uh, there's that great queen sequence where we um, we tap that one zombie. I think he's the, the bar manager. He is the bar manager. To the beats of Don't Stop Me Now. It's pretty great. And then <laughs> Buddy is trying to figure out the... He's trying to turn off the power and he can't figure out the right switch. So it's just like a strobe light scenario where we're basically at a rock concert. <laughs> and the zombies are like hoarding outside. That is one of my favorite GIFs ever. Have you not come across that one? No. Oh, it's it's so great. It's just like that it's swooping shot of a zombie horde and like the light comes on just enough time for you to sort of see this ocean of dead faces staring at you. Ew. It's super quick. It's super great. And you wouldn't think that it's in a British comedy. Edgar Wright is a wizard at musical choices. Yeah. Like, every every single one of his movies, it centers around songs. At least you assume it does, right? I can't imagine this movie without that specific song. I'm sure they could have gotten something else, but... Even if you take the music out, though, like, there's still, like, a musicality to his editing Mm. because it's so tight and fast paced like i want to say that they're all edited like their music videos but they're not they're just super efficient and everything is fast and tight he's got such good comedic timing in his editing yeah you don't see a lot of filmmakers whose comedy stems from the editing room 
yes, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are hilarious guys, but most of the comedy in this movie comes from the cuts and the callbacks and like how swiftly we see mundane moments. Yeah, it's kinetic. I think is what people usually always say, which whatever. It's like we are directing straight from Martin Scorsese's funny bone or something. I can't help but see Scorsese in like all of these movies, but it's just in how fast it is. Are there any like really great scenes that we haven't touched on that you want to touch on? I mean, there are a billion scenes, but what do you think of the like doppelganger? Okay, I'm so glad you said that. That's what I was just about to bring up. Yeah. Um... Do you think there's anything there other than like the yucks of them being like, oh, they're the same? She's definitely a more successful version of Sean. Yeah, because he just she just bought her own house. Well, like, and she's the, the one that gets the army at the end. But she's also the only one that makes it out. Oh, is she? Yeah. In, in fact, when he meets up with her at the beginning of the movie, uh, it's just an old college friend. Like, oh, yeah, I just bought a house around the corner. Oh, you're still seeing Liz. That's great. Glad to see somebody made it out. You know, like a relationship that survived from college. And at the end of the movie, she returns by herself. And there's only the two of them. She's like, just the two of you? And they're like, yeah. And she goes, well, glad to see somebody made it. Oh. Right? Like, I don't think any of her group... So maybe that's, like, a play on, like, he is successful in his own way, like, with his relationships. Yeah. Oh. He's... I just assumed they were, like, in the tank every time I've watched this. Yeah. I love that scene, though. I do like... It's crazy that when you first see it, uh, when you first saw it back in 2004, you're like, oh my god, they all look exactly the same. That's hilarious. And now you can go through that entire line and go... Oh shit, that's Martin Freeman. Oh shit, that's that person yeah. from Little Britain. Like every single one of those people is memorable and in a ton of other stuff. Which is probably where a lot of those comedian cameos are coming from now that I'm thinking about mm. it. True. It's one of those movies where every scene is my favorite scene, you know, and it could go on forever. I love the opening of this movie. Uh, I, I know we talked about it briefly and how the people that we're seeing are the people that eventually are used as extras for zombies. Mm-hmm. I just love how dead inside everybody is at the beginning of the yeah movie. like the, there's already like a zombie yeah. infestation exactly it's the the zombie like they are already the walking dead mm-hmm. it's already happened they are dead inside and they're all just like going through the motions of commuting to work being at work and it, it looks like dawn of the dead or something where you have uh that commercialized um like we're all zombies for some sort of product mm-hmm. uh kind of feel um, I think it sets a perfect tone for the movie. I think it's hilarious. And I love at the end, they're back doing the exact same thing! Like, these people, given their skill set and their limited functioning capacity, they're perfect for retail work and <laughs> servitude. That's so true. Because you see them at the end just, like, sh- like pushing sh- shopping carts. Yeah, like, they're doing nothing. They're, they're doing the jobs nobody would want to do. Just, <laughs> and, like, they're just doomed to that fate. They started out in a shitty retail job, and they're going to end their lives with their legs falling off at their shitty retail job. Oh, that's so depressing. And even his buddy Ed, who just sits on the couch all day, wasting his life away, ends by <laughs> being locked in the shed, playing video games all day. Even one of the, even the, like, the nasty roommate at one point says early on before the zombie infestation like he should just go live in the shed out back and the end of the movie he lives <laughs> in the in shed the out shed. back yeah there's there is a, a mirror that gets held to the the halfway point of the script and everything just mirrors it from that way on that's actually probably why it's so brilliant to have that doppelganger scene oh true yeah that's very true one last thing i want to touch on yeah uh it's just another really silly moment is 
again, the opening, like right when we meet Sean and Liz is giving him that ultimatum conversation in the bar and just how comedically they reveal that they aren't on a date. Sean's <laughs> brought his roommate and like, Liz has there. brought her friends. Like how they reveal them into the conversation <laughs> is the funniest thing ever. It's, I don't hate your friends. It's not that I hate you guys. Like, oh, hey, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Such, such a like, Great comedic filming there. Oh, one last thing. We gotta, this has to be the last one. We can't, okay. we're gonna keep going if, we, if we're not careful. When Sean calls his mom to say that they're coming to pick them up, and she's like, oh no, we'll be fine, don't worry, everything's good, you know, we, the, the, the doctor's coming, we'll be perfectly all right. And Ed leans in, we're coming to get you, Barbara! <laughs> like, great, so brilliant. Genius writing. Super hilarious callback to, like, the fucking best zombie movie that's ever been made. And probably the most memorable quote on any movie ever. Yeah. Other than maybe Rosebud. Maybe one of the most... Uh, whatever. I don't want to argue about what's more notable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not... Oh, come on. That. Fight me. I don't want to go through it. So, an obvious 4 out of 4 for me. I am also a 4 out of 4. <laughs> yeah, this movie was a 4 out of 4 when I first saw it. It was a 4 out of 4 the 10th time I saw it. Yeah, it's I, consistently 4 out of 4. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've seen it, but it's never dipped in quality. It's only always been great i think that's just such a testament to the editing though and the style of comedy because Agreed. it is always fresh even though the jokes are old now you can watch a movie like the shining and see something new every time you know maybe i'll occasionally see a cool little thing in the background that i never noticed but for the most part i know everything about this movie and it's still fantastic yeah definitely when you visit arizona time is measured in moments not minutes like the moment you see the grand canyon for the first time Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. So moving on, let's talk about Zombieland. My mother always told me, someday you'll be good at something. I mean, I don't think she could have guessed that, that something would be zombie killing. What do you think? Zombie killer of the week? Close. But no cigar. Zombie Killer of the Week went to Miss Cynthia Knickerbocker. Gotta enjoy the little things. From 2009, currently sitting at a 7.7 .7 out of 10 on IMDb, a 90% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, a 73% on Metacritic, and a 3.6 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Now these ratings are pretty similar to Shaun of the Dead. They are pretty similar. And I just want to say, guys, a little high. Little high. <laughs> I think this is going to be like an, uh, an unpopular opinion episode. I don't think either of us were all that smitten with this with this movie when it came out. Yeah, I don't even. We saw it together, right? Did we? Probably. I think it came when, out. Sorry, when did it come out? Two thousand two thousand nine. Yeah. We we, yeah, we would have seen it together. Okay, so I don't remember caring about it. <laughs> like I, I do remember being excited for it. I just I do. It was already at a point... In 2009, I was already sick of zombie movies. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead might have been the last one. Yeah, like, Dawn of the Dead, 
Shaun of the Dead. And then I was just like, I'm done now. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't really have an opinion going into it in this this watch. They did just confirm the sequel and the cast was returning. And the internet was really excited about it. Oh, and I was like, oh, pe- this, yeah. people like Zombieland. So I wanted to rewatch it. Uh, you guys voted for this week's episode. And so I was like, oh, God, I hope we like it in this go around. I don't think I like it. Yeah, well, I mean, I should probably say thank you for giving us the opportunity to rewatch this. Because yes. I wouldn't have put it on myself. Tot- well, I was going to watch it. But... Um, <laughs> Okay, well, I I remember not loving it. I remember thinking it was just okay. Yeah. And I think maybe we are just holding it. We're just putting that zombie land up on a pedestal. Uh, I think it's okay, but I think a movie should strive to be better than okay. We're comparing it to Shaun of the Dead. Like, not even just in this it's episode. It's a head to head! No, 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 not even just in this episode. I think we are always going to pair every zombie comedy to Shaun of the Dead. So you should be. If you're going to be something as niche as a subgenre, 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 you need to be the best of that. I suppose that's true. So yeah, it's it's hard not to compare things to what you think is the best, but... I did try to watch this movie as just a fun movie. That was like my like quiet in my head. Yeah, no, I didn't try to watch this to compare it to Charlotte. Like I tried to watch it and I wanted to really like it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want I want two reasons why you think this isn't a great movie, and then I want to hear something good about it. Go. Okay. Um the dialogue feels like it's straight out of a screenwriter's mouth. Okay. Like I don't know how else to say it. It just it feels inauthentic. Okay. And it's got some plot, like, flaws. Like, there's some... They go on this, like, silly little adventure, which is great for a story. I like when there's not this huge, big thing that needs to happen. Well, they're I not like... trying to solve the apocalypse. Yeah, but the the reason why some of the characters end up with them and how they end up where they're going, like, doesn't really make sense to me. Okay. And that bothers me. That's fine. Now, something you like about it. Um... I like how optimistic it is. Okay. I like that it's a happy ending movie, that it's about friends. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> there's not a lot of zombie movies where you're like, oh, yeah, everybody's going to be totally fine in this. Um, and everybody's looking out for each other. And it's like a fun, it's like a family movie. It's kind of like a National Lampoon's Vacation, but with zombies. Yeah, you're right. I was going to say, like, one of the things I don't love about it is that there isn't a big problem. But on the other hand... Like, some other zombie movies fall into that trap where you have these characters that are just trying to get from point A to point B to see whether or not point B has been burned to the ground. Yeah. And somewhere along the way, we we find a guy who's even more evil than the zombies, right? Like in Cargo. He's kidnapped a bunch of native aboriginal and Australians. 28 days later. Literally all of them. <laughs> like that's, that's just what happens because you can't up the stakes and at some point it's a bit of a surprise it was the first time we saw it to have a human be worse than the zombie. Mm-hmm. But this movie's got like no problem. Yeah, because in a zombie movie, zombies are more like the weather. It's just like we just have to deal with acid rain now. That's what zombies are. <laughs> Basically. Um, and I don't love the rules. I think the rules are fun. They are fun. As an idea, like as a jumping off point, like this is great, but um, I don't... Jesse Eisenberg's character is like, he's nothing without his his weenie little monologue in the beginning, yeah. which is great to present your movie. Like I love the CGI in that and I love how fun they present the zombie universe and that like slow-mo. Oh God, can we just like, let's just pause right could... here and talk about the opening I credits. I could watch that for two hours. Yeah. 
fucking Metallica in the background. The first time I saw that, it blew my goddamn mind because I don't remember this being released in 3D, but it that whole scene is shot in 3D, right? You've got a zombie on fire falling through the sky and he hits, you know, your actors' names and they they splay out and it's it's genius. I think it's absolutely great. Yeah, all those slow-mo zombie scenes are great and like the um the rule reveals are great. The rules at the beginning are awesome. It's, it feels like it could have been a short film that was put at the head of, uh, ahead of this movie, like a Woody Woodpecker cartoon. But the way you're setting them up is like in that Edgar Wright way is like you're setting up bowling pins to knock down later. Like they are really going to come come into play later. So I was expecting this like fully orchestrated zombie takedown at the end where we're knocking off each of the rules that were listed. And that doesn't really happen. The rules kind of sporadically come into play throughout the movie. Yeah. But it's just somebody does a thing and then he's like, that was one of my rules, by the way. And then they throw up a graphic and you're like, okay, I guess. Like, But, devil's advocate, counterpoint, his character is 100% ruled by those rules. Like, everything about him is is that book of rules that he has. And I think, you know, those rules that he's lived by, whether it's made him a, a completely antisocial person before or after the, the zombie apocalypse, it's a problem that he has. Mm-hmm. And he eventually has to throw those book that book of rules away. He has to break the rules, which he does by the end of the movie. So it does work, like, from a character standpoint. It's his arc. There's even a moment where, you know, like, I would love to show off here and be a hero in front of Emma Stone to be cool, but don't be a hero is one of my rules. So he lets Tallahassee go ahead. So even when he's, he's being pushed and he wants to break his rules, he doesn't until we get to the end and... uh and that happens. But the rules come up so fucking often. So often. They're a really cool effect, but apart from that, like I don't I don't find them necessary. Yeah. It's it's just practice. They don't pay off in like a comedic way that something in Shaun of the Dead would. Yeah. After a while you you start to wonder why they're still there. And then at the end, let's break one of the rules and be a hero and save and save and win the girl. Seems like it was a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's another one of my points of contention with the film is that I don't think all of the ideas quite land. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of jokes that I don't find this even remotely funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, it, like, on the other hand, like, I think Woody Harrelson is amazing. I think he's hilarious. He's great in everything he's in. In everything he does. I think Bill Murray is funny. Even though I don't get the cameo at all, I think that's the point. Like, I'm just sitting there like, what? is this it's strange. and why is he dressed like a zombie what <laughs> but don't you think that bill murray is the perfect person to have for that because he could do anything and you'd be like oh bill murray i know but i don't see like and i'm not up on that like bill murray is like the internet's god hype bill murray has this weird like omnipresence on the internet people make all these stories up. Like, i just don't get that the funny thing so, is like, i don't think I see... they made up I when mean, I, some of them are. Whatever. Right. When I see bill murray i'm like oh he's so funny and what about bob and those other movies from my childhood <laughs> but like I don't know. When he said he didn't like Garfield, I was kind of sad because I really like Garfield. <laughs> well, one of the writers of Garfield's, their last name was Cohen, and he wasn't paying attention, and he thought it was a movie called Garfield by the Cohen brothers. <laughs> like, I don't he, believe that story. That's what he has said. Yeah, but that's just an old man joke. I don't believe it. You're probably right. But he doesn't have an agent. Or is it that he doesn't have... I don't believe that either. See, I don't believe anything about it. No, no, but him. that's 100% true. He does have, like, a P.O. box that you can send your script to and a phone number that goes to an answering machine. And he will... He takes unsolicited calls. 
or at least voice messages. But he's weeding through them. Like, he's not going to pick something that he's not interested in. I don't know, John. You think it's just all internet lore? Yeah, I just don't believe anything you're saying right now. <laughs> I just don't believe it. Like, you. no, Kim, he lives in a high tower. He's got a gigantic beard. And uh, he's, he's occasionally comes down and gifts us with some comedy. Like, I think he, I don't think he fuels the fire, but I just think he doesn't deny anything. And that's what allows, like, stuff like this to continue happening, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, it's a genius thing for a comedic genius to do. <laughs> But, like, the stuff where he's dressed as a zombie and, like, I, I didn't laugh at that. The only part I really, really laughed at was when he dies and he, like, takes forever to do it. And you're just like, ah, that's great. <laughs> it's it's bizarre. Um, do, do you think it would have been better if it were Patrick Swayze? Patrick Swayze's dead. Like, actually dead. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> was he dead in 2009? I, maybe. <laughs> Why don't we know that? He had cancer. I don't know how he... A second Woody Harrelson would be funny. A second Woody Harrelson. Like, if Didn't Tallahassee he... Woody Harrelson met Woody Harrelson Woody Harrelson and then was obsessed with Woody Harrelson, that I would laugh at. <laughs> That'd be so fucking weird. Because he has, like, a weird fan boner for um, Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. Wasn't there a second Woody Harrelson in Catch Me If You Can 2? What? No, no, now you see me. I don't know. Yeah, the we movie just... that should have been called Now You Don't, but they just called it Now You See Me Too. I know, you fucking idiots. <laughs> well, you probably can't, right? <laughs> Legally. But it's a it's an odd moment in that movie. Also, do you think Bill Murray owns a copy of Ghostbusters? Is my number one question in this movie. I do. I'm Actually, you know, that reminded me of something. I do like that scene where they're all pretending to be Ghostbusters in his house. That I thought was really do you also? Well, he, I guess he might actually have that outfit. I would believe that he has a bunch of proton packs and Ghostbusters suits. A bunch of? A or bunch of. Not just his own? A bunch of. He's been acquiring them as people there die? Were at like least I two. also, I, I have Harold Ramis's and I'm currently eyeing up Dan Aykroyd's. Oh! <laughs> You're next, Dan. He was in a few movies. I'm sure he's got a couple suits. Who do you think's going to be the last Ghostbuster? I'm not predicting who's <laughs> going to survive longer. That's really sacrilegious. <laughs> My guess? Gozer's going to outlive them all. That's a good answer. What do you think about Tallahassee's search for a Twinkie? I don't like that either. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny. It's it's kind of a silly character quirk that they wrote in. But they also said it's only two months after the infection. And so, like, the infection has spread, or the zombie infestation or whatever, mm -hmm. has spread so quickly that the world basically just shut down within days, I would mm -hmm. assume. So there should be Twinkies fucking everywhere. Question for you. Let's say... Also, there's a s serious lack of interest in surviving. If this guy can't find Twinkies, every time they go into a grocery store, they should be leaving with cases of water and canned goods. And I've never, I never saw anybody drink a single beverage in this entire movie other than wine. You're right. They stop off at several grocery stores and and convenience stores and stuff, and never once did they grab provisions. And they, they're only stopping for Twinkies. Interesting. Yeah, nobody's looking for canned beans. Nobody's nobody's trying to get any sort of protein, I guess. No, and like every time they pass a gas station, somebody should be filling a gas can. Like, what is going on here? Yeah, you should have a trunk full of, as unsafe as that probably is. You should have a trunk full of gas. You should be, like, you should have some provisions. Well, I think the thing is, his son died. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to assume his son died in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. He's got nothing left to lose. That's his whole character. 
So he doesn't give a shit. It's, I mean, he's not the kind of person that's going to kill himself, obviously, but he's just floating. He's just drifting across the country, killing as many zombies as he can, looking for the one thing that he cares about in his life now that his son's dead, Twinkies. That's it. But he should be finding them at every fucking whatever gas stations are in the U.S. called. <laughs> gas stations? Gas stop. Gas bars. <laughs> the old I was trying to think of a brand. Like, I don't know if they have Shell or 7-Eleven or... Chevron. Chevron. That's a big one, right? Don't they have Shell? Mm-hmm. They have to have Shell. Green Beaver? No, that's Canadian. Green Beaver? <laughs> you mean to tell me that you thought the Green Beaver <laughs> was an American-only gas station? I don't know. We, yeah. did, we, went, we did a lot of driving last year, but I remembered halfway through that most of it was in Canada. Yeah. Um, and then that brings me to our other characters, uh, Emma Stone and Abigail Breslin, mm-hmm. who have their own weird plot arc that I don't like. Oh, I I like the idea. So they are kind of like grifters. Yeah. Um, the motivations there are a little weird. They basically scam Woody Harrelson and Jesse Eisenberg, rather than them being scammed by them. They trick them into believing that Abigail Breslin's been bit by a zombie, and they get them to give Emma Stone their guns so that she can shoot her, and they say their goodbyes and la la la, and then they pull guns on them and steal their car. That's an alright scene. Yeah, I don't know why they would do that. They don't though. trust anybody. They are. They, it's always been them against the world. They're grifters. They're smarter than everybody. They can't. Okay. They can't trust yeah, anybody. Yeah, and I can totally get over that. But then, so the car that they stole dies, um, and they bump into these guys again, and they basically like hijack them. Mm-hmm. They leave them in the car. Yeah, and they and then they become friends, and then they're all on this trip together. There's that is no the weird part. like story or arc. Like, why don't they just kick them out of the car? Mm-hmm. That's the strange part. That's we just need them to be friends. That they needed to have something. There that needed they... to be something bonding happen, or something like a zombie infestation, and they're like, "Oh, we really have to stick together," or something. Yeah, or some sort of antivirus that they have, or some sort of key to something. Like, oh, you're going to an amusement park. Just so happens I have all the keys to those gates. Like, I don't know. Well, yeah, like, and they're like, I have I an guess... unlimited fast pass. Bring me with you. I guess we could stick around, but then they're not even sure if they're going to stick around with the girls and. You don't even know why they're together. And they leave all the time. and Yeah, and they keep disbanding and rebanding. And there they... should have been a moment where they got attacked by a bunch of zombies. And the only reason all four of them made it out is because, because they, they had together each other. Yeah, something. exactly. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, it might have been a limited budget. They did have to pay for a Metallica song at the top of the movie. It feels like those kind of plot developments were a bit of an afterthought. Like, there's a scene when they're hanging out in Bill Murray's house after they've killed Bill Murray, um, where Woody Harrelson briefly teaches Abigail Breslin how to shoot. It's like a throwaway scene in a montage. And then later you find out, like, that was Abigail Breslin's only arc, is that she gets to do the shot when they're stuck in the amusement park ride. But... The only reason she has to do it is because Emma Stone is like, oh, no, you go. You have to shoot the emergency stop button. Well, I think and her... Emma Stone just, like, sits there and waits patiently. Well, wasn't her shotgun all out of bullets? <sighs> and also, you can't you can't perform surgery with a shotgun. Okay. I don't know. It was just a weird scene. You're right. That character was just sitting and waiting so the other one could have her, like, night in the sun. I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. But to look at it from a different angle, it's... Like, Abigail Breslin needs to realize that people aren't just to be taken advantage of. Like, you can learn and from other people. That doesn't make any sense now that I'm saying it out loud. I don't like it at all. Uh, <laughs> and, and Woody Harrelson, it's not like he hates everybody, right? 
because he just meets this kid on the road and come on in the car, bud. And you would think that he would look down on Abigail Breslin. Like he would hate her more than everybody because she's the youngest. And maybe she like was the same age as his son. And every time she looks, he looks at her, he sees the See, second that would be kids. a great development for those okay. two characters because the whole point is that they we want Jesse Eisenberg and Emma Stone to hook up at the end. So they need some alone time. Yeah. That's a perfect way to add that kind of subplot of him getting to be a fatherly figure, even in this zombie apocalypse, because he, you're right, he never gets to be that, that father figure. It's even weird when he, that's revealed. But. They showed us a flashback with him, like, loving this puppy because he tells him that his dog died. But then later on, you find in the movie that it was his kid that died. Yeah. And then you rewatch those scenes with a kid instead of a dog, and you're like, I don't know how to feel here. Like, yeah. I know I'm supposed to be like, wow, that was a really smart cut, but now I'm just sad. <laughs> I, I agree. I think that was a cool reveal. I think that was smart. But that, it, that was a puppy. Reveal shouldn't, cool reveal shouldn't be paired with sad emotions. <laughs> That's a, it's a tonal thing in the movie that I think is strange. And it, maybe it's us. Like, maybe we were looking for a darker movie. Because when you talk about it being so optimistic, that it's it's like friends against the world and stuff, it would be weird to have these dark moments about my son was killed in front of me, and now I'm dead inside. Mm -hmm. And it, it also just doesn't work for yeah, the characters, Yeah, like maybe they, right? had to, they had to keep that trim and slim for the... Because the end it is, it's just like... We're on the open road together, like they save the girls at the amusement park because they finally get to go there, but all the lights turn off mm -hmm. or turn on and attract all the zombies. And then the guys come and save the day, basically. And then Jesse Eisenberg confronts his fear of clowns that was like mentioned briefly. Yeah. Uh, but at the you... end, it's all just like nice and happy. And it's just like we get to continue on our journey as the family that we are. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that we're ending with them as a family. I don't know why they're together, though. <laughs> I guess it's just like. Up until that point, it was convenience, and mm -hmm. now they're finally accepting the fact that they need to be together. Yeah. That I like. Agreed. Something about clowns and horror movies, I don't know what it is. It's, uh, when I see a zombie movie coming out, or a zombie TV show, to me it's like, oh, you guys like zombies, right? Yeah, here's a, here's a zombie thing. And it, it feels the same way with clowns, like, oh, this will track. People, people enjoy this shit, right? Like, it's, it never feels like it's written by somebody that loves killer clowns or loves... I shouldn't say that. I, I will say, though, The Night Watchman, which came out last year, does that brilliantly. We have, like, Bozo the Clown, who goes to Transylvania and dies mysteriously, and now he's, like, a zombie vampire. It's brilliant, because it's way over the top. I like the clowns in Bloodfest. Yes! But, I mean, they're done because they're a trope, like, kind of, so... I like Pennywise. I like I like scary clowns, but you're right. Like, they need to have a purpose. If we're not in Goosebumps and they're not in, like, a haunted yeah. carnival, like, what the fuck are you doing here? Uh, I don't mind the clown in this. I just don't think Jesse Eisenberg also needs to be, like, a hypochondriac and then afraid of clowns. I think his list of things He's to get over lot, was enough. Yeah. Speaking of Jesse Eisenberg's list, uh, we know in the movie that he's got at least 33 items, I think, right, by the end of it. We only hear about, I don't know, seven or eight of of those actual rules. Mm -hmm. Like avoid bathrooms or double tap, you know, stuff like that. Do you want to hear what some of the other, like, unknown rules were on that list? Totally. Okay, so number rule number 19, Ziploc bags. That's it. That's all it says. Rule number 33, Swiss Army knife. I guess it's good to have. Yeah, well, it's got, it's got a lot of tools on it, right? Like, mm -hmm. have you seen some of these Swiss Army knives? They got like a billion pieces on them. Rule number six, cast iron skillet. Good for smashing and cooking. Yeah, bounty paper towels. Bowling balls. Double knot your shoes. 
And always have backup. I don't remember if that was a new one or not. Yeah, backup's good. In total, there are 49 rules. Wow. Why is bowling ball one? Like, how often would that come up to necessitate being a rule? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you can always drop it? I have no idea. I was thinking about the rules. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because I just read some of them. I think I know what ki- what burned me out on this movie before I saw it. Mm. It's the zombie survival guide. Or the the guide to the zombie... Yeah. Survival guide to the zombie apocalypse by Max Brooks. Yeah. Which I read of right after World War Z, which I probably read right after seeing 28 Days Later in Shaun of the Dead. And just, like, completely killed myself on zombies. And it's so extensive. And you're right, because it's got that same slightly comedic, slightly know-it-all-y, all-encompassing zombie facts tone. Yeah. And that's exactly the tone of this movie. It's exactly the same tone. Which is crazy, because World War Z is is very not that. Um, You guys have probably read it. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably read World War Z. You probably have an opinion of the film adaptation. But it's a completely different tone. It's, it's handled very seriously, very matter-of-factly, more like 28 Days Later. So, I mean, it's interesting that both of those books came from the same guy. But honestly, I don't even know if I finished the zombie survival guide. Because I got it halfway through, you know? It's just... There's only so much I can lean into the pretending zombie, the zombie apocalypse is real. Yeah. <laughs> For the game that we're going to play later... Uh, I was on, like, the zombie Wikipedia, and I was trying to look up stuff. And it's all written like zombies are fact. Yeah. And, like, all the different paragraphs were, like, talking about, like, these different kinds of zombies and how they're different from these different kinds of zombies. I'm like, any zombie could be any type of zombie. Like, it's just like, I don't get it. These are fictional things. I think it's because people love the idea of a zombie apocalypse. Because you don't have to go to work anymore. But you also don't have to worry about your mortgage. You don't have to file your taxes. Every Everything is just brought down to there rock There are only bottom. like five people in the zombie apocalypse that make it out okay. Oh yeah, and we all love playing the lottery, Kim, so we all think we're those five people. <laughs> Come on though, honestly, you watch Last Man on Earth. Try and tell me that doesn't look great. It looks lonely, I'll give you that. I'm not going to let you put me in a position where I'm admitting I wish... People were dead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that sounds cruel. As much as I'd love to never get caught in traffic again, uh, there are a lot of cool people out there that I have not met yet. That's so true. I'm going to try to keep optimistic here and say that I would prefer to not have a zombie apocalypse. Right. That's my final statement. I meet more people that I like than people I don't. Yeah, is there anything else that you want? Anything we didn't mention? Not that I can really think of. Like, I feel like I want to defend the movie. I don't have to. Plenty of people love it. So ours is an unpopular opinion. But the movie is fun. It's just not the kind of movie that I'm reaching for all the time to put on. That being said, like, even though I didn't love it, I am really excited for the next one because I think enough time has passed in between the two that we're going to be getting, I think, some more... I don't want to say darker, um, like, vantage points, but I definitely think that they're going to be a little bit more cold to their situation because they've been in there a long time. Like, I really want to see... Woody Harrelson's character 10 years after the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or like, Abigail Breslin, who has spent the bulk of her life within a zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to see them being a little bit cooler to the situation. Like, yeah. it's still fresh. They're still all, like, new in it. Yeah. And they're still holding a lot of baggage that they have from, like, regular life. Jesse Eisenberg being kind of a loner at college. In the We didn't mention in the biggest college apartment ever right 
That thing is like a thousand square feet. I, his parents were clearly billionaires. He has never struggled in his life before this zombie apocalypse. No, and it's pristine. There is enough space in that apartment to run away from a zombie. Yeah, tons of room. Tons of room. Even if it wasn't a dorm, your first apartment after college, you can touch both walls if you stand in the center of the apartment. Yeah, like you can touch the walls and cook mac and cheese with your foot in your first apartment. Yeah. Man, first apartments suck. They do suck. Uh, so does seconds, thirds, and fourths, and fifth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> apartments themselves are not that great. Yeah. Um, and then when you get a house, you just, it's just a money pit. If you get a house. If you get a house. Yeah. You might not make it, guys. There might be a zombie apocalypse. Who knows? <laughs> Here's hoping. Right? It'd be so great. Stop. <laughs> no mortgage. Stop saying that. Um, another thing I, I wanted to mention, too, just before we go. This is along the, the lines of the rules thing. One thing that I liked is his cardio rule. Uh, when oh, yeah. he's explaining it, he's trying to run to his car after there's a zombie in the gas station bathroom. Mm -hmm. He drops the keys, but he can't stop to pick them up because the zombie's behind him. So he has to use his cardio. And he's only running as, as, as fast as he has to yeah. just to gain a little traction on the zombies. Yeah, just to buy enough time. And the zombies aren't going as fast as him. Yeah, and they're they're not smart. They're not going to cut him off and like, oh, he's just doing a loop. We're going to go left instead of just follow straight after him. So he runs a loop around the parking lot, picks mm -hmm. his keys up, and gets in the car. Yeah. The car's unlocked, which is funny because you're like, haha, he didn't need to do that. Ah, but um, that car was locked, I think. Oh, and the there's a zombie. zombie. Wait, no. The car had to be unlocked. Yeah. That's his own way. fault. That's why the zombie got in because he left it unlocked. Yeah. But I just love that that strategy. I would hate having to do like long distance running if there were zombies behind me, but it's interesting how he's not sprinting. Mm -hmm. Like he's not running away from zombies. He's just running away from zombies enough to get enough distance away that he can pick the keys up and unlock the car. He's doing a moderate jog yeah. away from zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't normally see people moderately jog away from zombies. <laughs> so one thing I'm not looking forward to about the apocalypse have no Running? still work out. Like, <laughs> I've been doing that. I thought this was a leisure activity, living by myself atop this mountain. I've been doing that run zombie run or run zombies app. Yeah. With, um, I'm sure everybody already knows about this, so like, I'm sure I'm just being a broken record here, but you listen to like these uh, audio tracks. It's kind of like a game where you pick up supplies and stuff and there's um, these like missions. It's like Walking Dead, but the people out for the colony who pick up supplies are runners mm -hmm. and... Then you on a treadmill or... You go on these, like, little adventures. Yeah, I like, I just run around the the apartment. Like, I just run around the basement. And, like, I have an elliptical and I run on that. Yeah. Uh, it's super fun uh, running away from zombies. You can also listen to your music. So I listen to, like, my 80s playlists and do it. And it's great when zombies are chasing you and you're listening to, like, Cyndi Lauper. <laughs> uh, it's a ton of fun. I'm really enjoying it. And you can train for, like, marathons and stuff. There's some people who've gotten, like, super fit running away from zombies. Uh, what is your rating of this film? Ah... I'm going to give it a 2 out of 4, and I'm not going to feel bad about it. I I, I almost want to give it a 2.5, just because it's fun, but it's not my favorite movie. Yeah, I'm going to go with a 2 out of 4 as well. Yeah, because it's fine. It's down the middle. It's okay, yeah. yeah. It was okay. Right. I'm excited for the second one. I'm interested <laughs> to see where they go with it. Oh, they're going to get into a big stupid fight that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and they're either all going to split like, up, split up. Mm -hmm. or they're going to split up into two teams, <laughs> and then something's going to happen, and then they're going to have to go back to the amusement park. I don't so much time has happened that it could be an entirely different movie. What if they're in France now? That would be cool. How do they get to France? Boat. Boat. <laughs> They've got to go to the Twinkie warehouse. Oh, that'd be fun. Also, is that why he's headed to Tallahassee? Um, or he's from Tallahassee. I don't know. And he's is. headed to Mexico? I don't know. Where they call the Twinkies... 
Lost Popos or something like that. That's 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 a moment in the movie. I'm not just pulling this out of nowhere. I don't know. Uh, but let us know what you think of these two films. You probably like Zombieland more than us. So let us know over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast. You can also sound off in our Facebook group. That is facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. Also, if you have a minute, please leave a five-star rating on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps us get the show in front of more fiends and grow the horde. We are controlling transmission. This week's episode of Nightmare on Film Street is brought to you by Deadly Grounds. Zombie-approved coffee and teas. This week's blend is the tea virus. It's a rooibos tea with real bits of raspberry and cranberry, lime leaves, and rose hip. It's worth the infection. Head over to getdeadly.ca to check out every horror-inspired blend and use the offer code NIGHTMARE to get 10% off at checkout. And we are not done yet. We are going to head over to Patreon and we're going to record a little game for you guys there. For everyone who's supporting the show, just as a little thank you for helping us make Nightmare on Film Street a little easier. So we are going to play a little game called The Walking and Also Sometimes Running Dead. Okay, so okay, I need to figure out... Whether or not they are walking or running zombies. You sure do. Damn, this sounds like it'll be super easy, but all your games do, and I always I always do terrible. I have a lot. I have quite a few. So okay. This is going to be a really fun one. Okay. But if you want to listen to that, you have to head over to patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street to check out all of our Patreon-y stuff and become a supporter of the show. Two, we're also going to be in and out of Montreal for Fantasia Fest uh, throughout July. Yes. So if you are going to that, tweet at either of us and let us know, because we'd love to meet up with you, talk film, talk beer, uh, drink beer. Definitely. Uh, Tell us where all the cool pinball machines are. We know you have them. (laughs) But that's it from us this week. I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. Just long enough to tell the tale of the Nightmare on Film Street. Ow! Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at NOFS Podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website, www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com. Until next week, stay creepy, fiends. <laughs>